Welcome to another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the Torah portion of Miketz, a parsha that begins with Yosef in this desperate, dark, deep Egyptian dungeon, and ends with Yosef on the throne, viceroy of Egypt, controlling the world economy, and his brothers in front of him, his brothers overwhelmed by the fact that after finally convincing Yaakov to send Binyamin down, his dear precious Binyamin, over whom Yaakov has described, if he doesn't come back home, I'm going to die in grief. And Binyamin, we know, has been framed, but as far as they know, Binyamin has simply been caught red-handed, having stolen this tyrant Safnas Paneach, really, of course, Yosef, this tyrant's special goblet. And the Parsha ends, Yosef, in his position as viceroy, total control, and the brothers in this very precarious spot as to, oh no, where do we go from here? What's a little surprising, though, in the very beginning of next week's Parsha, Vayigash, we discover, as the way the Midrashim describe, Rashi quotes them, that Yehuda was hinting strongly to Yosef. Sir, Mr. Tzafnas Paneach, we are begging you to release Binyamin, but we are also threatening you to release Binyamin. And the terminology over there, the stance of Yehuda was one, we're not leaving here without Binyamin, and we will leave here with Binyamin. And he made it clear to Yosef that much as it seems that you're in charge, and you're so powerful, uh, we have the capacity to force the return of Binyamin. And the Midrashim add strong indications as to the strength of the brothers. And just think back for a moment. Their father Yaakov comes to a well where there is this boulder sealing the well that requires several shepherds to join together. And the shepherds are commenting, we can't lift the stone until the other shepherds all gather together. And Yaakov picks up the stone, removes it like pulling a cork out of a bottle. And these are Yaakov's sons, two of whom annihilated the city of Shechem. Okay, they were post-op of having had their bris, but again, there were seemingly quite a few relatively able-bodied men that could have put up at least a defensive fight against them, and no, they killed off all the men of Shechem. So there is what to worry about over here if the sons of Yaakov are really wanting to do battle. But it seems that it's a a resort, kind of a last resort that only gets triggered after the end of Araparsha, and can we better understand why they didn't threaten that earlier, and perhaps why it would have been wrong for them to threaten that earlier, and how the brothers are really operating over here vis-a-vis Yosef, and how we operate in situations where it seems that we have the capacity to exercise certain physical or material pressure, or military pressure, but sometimes it's simply not the right time and place. Rabbi Elio Lapian, toward the end of a very lengthy essay on this week's Parsha, sheds light on this issue. And he draws our attention to the fact that if we move to another story that's related we on Yom Kippur and on Tisha B'Av reflect on the story of the 
ten Haruge Malchus, the ten martyrs killed by the Romans, of whom perhaps the most famous is Rabbi Akiva, around, surrounding the period just following the destruction of the Second Temple, and the Medrash describing the fact when the challenge was made that the Roman emperor indicated that he was going to execute the sages, they turned to Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Ishmael who was the Kohen Gadol, and you have the capacity to connect up there in heaven and determine if in fact there is a heavenly decree against us, which turned out to be the case. And once that was turned out to be the case, they gave themselves over to be killed. What was the plan if he discovered that this was not the case? Were he to come back from heaven and indicate there's no heavenly decree against the ten of us, it seems they would have not accepted this decree, but what in the, what in the world does that mean? What in fact do they do when the Roman military is planning to kill them, and it seems at least those involved in the dialogue are already relatively trapped in this situation. But, as Rav Lepian notes in this essay, we know that sages far junior, so to speak, to these great Tanaim were able to eliminate, to kill, with a glance of their eyes. We have the Gemaras describing a gaze of a sage at somebody who had done something that was out of sync with what was called for would result with nasagal shalatzamos, the person turning into a heap of bones. Their essence, their neshama, would leave them in response to the gaze of that sage. And certainly we expect there will be Shmuel Koengadol who could rise up to heaven with the utterance of a divine name and determine if there was in fact a heavenly decree, had the capacity to use divine names to create realities down here as well. But, it appears, the sages would not do so if that was not called for. If there's a heavenly decree that is yielding their deaths, that's the mitzvah of the moment. If not, they would have fought back. And the fighting back could have been by some very powerful metaphysical means and they were trying to determine that. What is the appropriate response in this context? And Ravilipian says that the brothers of Yosef to the degree that Yosef's challenge against them inspired them to think back to their failure years back. And by the way, he points out when they're trying to analyze where are we spiritually off that could allow us to suffer so at the hands of this tyrant the only thing they could think of was the sale of Yosef, which was at this point about two decades ago, probably a little more than two decades ago. There was nothing else that preceded that or that followed that that they could view as a spiritual deficit that could be triggering the very difficult situation they find themselves in now. Rabbi Yapani quotes the Medrash in Nusso when we deal with the gifts of each of the tribes to the tabernacle. And the Medrash over there is explicit that not only was there no other demerit on their part, but in fact, to a degree, this was a merit because the sale of Yosef did lead to the fact that Yosef is in position to be providing for the world, to be providing for their families' 
sustenance, for their family's endurance, for their family's survival, which ultimately means for the survival of B'nai Yisrael, the people that eventually become Am Yisrael, all of us listening today. So as, as Am Yisrael, we are descendants of those who were literally fed by Yosef's food supply. And as such, it was actually a point of merit, not demerit, in the big picture. And again, check over there, the Medrash in Nasso, very fascinating terminology about the fact that there was no previous demerit that caused their failure with the cell of Yosef, and in fact, it ultimately is deemed a zuchus, is deemed a merit. So that said, they're scratching their heads trying to think about what have we done that could lead us to this day that we're suffering so at the hands of this tyrant. And it must be that within the sale of our brother Yosef, we were not fully attentive to his pleas. And there's an element of guilt that we must bear for that. Well, when Yosef's challenges against them and Yosef's threatening them with punishment matched that, then there's no room for them to fight back. That's like the ten martyrs under the Romans perceiving that this is part of a heavenly decree. But when the very end of this parsha, Yosef says, I'm going to keep Binyamin in jail and the rest of you go home. Wait a minute. Binyamin is the only one of us who is totally uninvolved in that story of Yosef and the brothers earlier on. Binyamin was absolutely innocent of anything related to the sale of Yosef. And he's keeping Binyamin. He's not incarcerating us. This is not a response. This is not God manipulating an outcome to punish us for our sale of Yosef. Then this is simply this tyrant, Tzafnas Paneach, of course they don't know it's Yosef, acting on his own, unrelated to our spiritual failures, and as such, the next parsha of Yigash Elav Yehuda, Yehuda is ready to stand up to this tyrant and say, Hey, please? And if not responding to our pleas, then we're ready to apply force. Rav Lapian points to the fact, this incredible power on their part, they have the capacity to fight, but they'll only do so if they feel that that's right. As the ten martyrs had the capacity to somehow reject this Roman challenge against them, they had the capacity to somehow evade the Roman decree, but we're not going to do so if it's God's decree. And Rabbi Pian ends off this section, this essay, with a very fascinating shift into our own world. The brothers were wowed when ultimately Yosef reveals himself in next week's parsha. That puts an end to any challenge. That reverses all of their previous thinking because it turns out that Yosef's original dreams of being in a position of monarchy have come to fruition and he's managed to pull this off that they are bowing to him and they at that point are nivhalu they're overwhelmed humbled, embarrassed deflated and okay we've been wrong you win he says we in life are meant to hit points where we are humbled, where we are wowed, we are awed, not by a brother Yosef who we've once sold into slavery, but by God and his creation. 
And he said, if we were really mindful to the world that surrounds us, we were really attentive to the Bria, to the very creation, to every aspect of our physical and very um, sophisticated universe, we would be like the brothers facing Yosef at the end of the whole story when he says that I need Yosef. I am Yosef. And what do you think about that? And we would look at a blade of grass and be wowed. We look at a butterfly and be wowed. We would look at every type of physical entity and sub-entity of our world and the incredible complexity of every human organ and the self-tearing, self-cleansing eye that we have that is able to see in 3D depth perception and, and I believe there's something in the vicinity of 100,000 shades of red that the eye can pick up. And we would be absolutely awed by it, but we typically are rather uh, underwhelmed because it's a world into which we are born and raised and reared and go through life without stopping to smell the roses, so to speak. But the verse tells us, Sumarom enechem or umi bara'ila. If it, you're not going to just notice God and God's incredible wisdom and God's incredible caring by looking at the world within which we live, then summa Romanechem, lift your eyes up. Look up to the heavens. And in so doing, then at least when we address areas which we're not accustomed, and he may mean literally looking up and the complexities of astronomy. Perhaps another way to do that could be studying the complexities of oceanography, of another world which we are not familiar with. We don't live in the ocean. And that will remind us that we don't have to go that far. And we can do the same thing in studying the, the digestive process in the human being and how it isolates the good from the bad and the birthing process within human life. And the, again, each person can find the areas that speak to them, sing to them within the world of anatomy, of biology, of, of physics, of mathematics, how everything ultimately is so, so sophisticated and works together in, in unison. And not hopefully needing to have the Yosef experiences where we're shocked into recognition by something that we should have been attentive to all along. Learning from the brothers from the martyrs, to know that we will be holding back power and force and our capacity to fight off something if we have reason to know that that's the divine decree in the moment, when it's not the case, ready to use the force that they would have done if, it, if they did not have Rabbi Ishmael telling him this was the divine will, as the brothers were ready to do if Yosef would not have either released Binyamin or revealed his true identity, we will be standing up to oppose that which is simply evil, if that is the mitzvah of the moment, and being mindful of the many situations that God bestows upon us to be wowed by His presence, wowed by His world, wowed by His involvement in our lives, in our world, and Bezrah Hashem, with God's help, as we are unfortunately needing to display power and force in the current situation in Gaza, at the same time, 
recognizing that God has definitely been there for us. Unfortunately, sometimes in bringing about trouble and torment, currently, thankfully, continuing to be protective. Uh, Again, there's been tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy, but far smaller numbers than many were anticipating as uh, as this all began following October 7th. With God's help, we should continue to be able to merit because we see him, we see his involvement, we see his protection, continue to merit his involvement, his protection, and Bezrat Hashem, hopefully with each of us, thereby achieving our tachlis, the world coming to the point of achieving his tachlis, and we should merit the full geula, full redemption, speedily in our day.